Welcome to the Patreon for Crescent City Crime. This is Crescent City Crime Goes to the Movies. Hello, dear listeners. I'm Tracy. And I'm Brian. Welcome to everybody who has been along here, along this journey with us. If you're new here, then welcome. We appreciate you listening. Welcome aboard, and we enjoy talking to you. Of course, all of our social media things will be in the show notes, so make sure that you follow us or like our YouTube channel or come join us in the Facebook group, however you prefer to do it. And of course, tell your friends about us. Tell all of your friends. Send us out into a group text. But most importantly, tell your enemies about us, especially your enemies. And make sure it's your enemies in the group text as well. That's right. (laughs) And, you know, of course, subscribe to us on your preferred podcasting platform. We're everywhere. And uh, we also are on YouTube. So if you would like to follow us there, give our videos some likes, give us some subscriptions. We'd appreciate that. So today we are talking about the movie Dead Man Walking, which stars Susan Sarandon as Sister Helen Prejean and Sean Penn as Matthew Ponsolitz. His character is based on a combination of Elmo Sanier and Robert Lee Willie, who we had previously discussed on this podcast. When When this movie came out, it was considered groundbreaking. It really it helped to ignite that national debate about the death penalty. Should we have it? Should we not have it? Is it right to kill somebody just because the state is doing it? You know, many people in this day and age, and this is, you know, from a perspective of, of about um, 20 or 30, 30 years now, 30 years later. It's like we're slowly inching towards accepting that it is not right for the state to execute somebody. Yeah, and we're we're even reaching the point to where it's becoming practical because the you know the so-called humane lethal injection has been uh, unenforceable. Right, because who can actually complain? The person who is getting injected has died. Yeah, it it is, it is, um, in some ways it's, it's kind of silly, but now it seems practically none of the pharmaceutical companies want to be associated with, uh, executing people. So none of the companies that previously supplied this, this drug to the state of Louisiana in this, in this case, uh, will will continue supplying it, so they can't. The state of Louisiana has not been able to carry out lethal injections for quite some time. Yes, exactly. And this is a how a, many uh, what, thirty years? I think it was two thousand three. Two thousand two. Last execution. So yes, it has been a while, and you know as we are recording this episode today there is uh that that bill that we mentioned in the state of louisiana to abolish the death penalty hearings about that have been heard today during the louisiana legislative session of course we will update you on whatever happens 
Um, unfortunately, I do think it is a hard sell in the state of Louisiana, though, especially to the politicians that we currently have running the state. Yes, they'll they'll try to spin it as being soft on crime. Right. But really, you know, if somebody is in jail for life without the possibility of parole, that's a person who's being kept away from society. Okay. You can't get any more kept away from society than life in prison without the possibility of parole. Especially in Angola. Especially in Angola. Good good luck escaping death row in Angola. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the film starts off showing Sister Helen in her humble surroundings which is a housing project. And of course, uh, for, for those of you who are not familiar, if you watch this movie and when you see that housing project, that is a pre Katrina housing project, the bricks, the bricks. Yes. Uh, these days, the, the housing projects, like after Katrina came and went and destroyed a lot of the projects, they actually built them up to be really nice in the, in the aftermath. Like you, you look at them, you don't even think that they're projects. No, that they look like uh, apartments. Yes, they look like apartments. Um, it is a much better, I, at least I, I, I feel like it's a much better place to be these days mm-hmm. than it was back then. Um, you know, there, there was a frequent police activity and criminal activity, et cetera, et cetera. And these days, they're a little bit more tighter on the restrictions. I don't think any major crimes have happened in one of the new projects. Just as a side note. No, they're, they're quite safe. And food delivery people have been quite safe making deliveries to the to these new housing projects. Now, of course, Sister Helen does get asked to correspond with Matthew Ponsolet. And through the movie, she gets more and more involved with Matthew. He tells her that his lawyer for his capital murder case was a tax attorney who had no trial experience, but he was his attorney because he didn't cost anything. So he was volunteering as a public defender. Yes, but you have to admit that's pretty dire, right? I mean, if your life is on the line like that, you need an experienced trial attorney. You can't just have a tax attorney. To me, that's appalling. It kind of sounds like something out of a comedy. Out of a comedy involving like cast members from SNL, or SCTV. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Eugene Levy in the role of the tax attorney who's <laughs> defending someone on trial for murder. Oh, no. And. Yeah, and uh, who who's the current hot star? Oh, Harry Styles would be the murderer. <laughs> <laughs> but the sad part is that since I'm from Louisiana and I understand how backwards this state can be, when I first saw this movie and I heard that, I was like, that actually makes sense for the state of Louisiana to just send a tax attorney. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, the uh, your typical Louisiana prosecutor doesn't care about 
doesn't really care about getting a fair trial. No. And throughout the movie, the audience sees glimpses of the crime. But towards the end, as Matthew finally confesses to Sister Prejean what he's done, you do see the full scope and scale of what he actually did. And, you know, spoiler alert, he was actually guilty. And Brian has mentioned this point before in one of the previous episodes that the system worked as was intended. Okay. So in, in this particular case, in this particular movie, the system worked as was, as was supposed to be intended. And this film, to me, the, the, the message that I really got from it, it felt like it was about grief more than anything else because it had such a big impact on everyone. You know, it had the, the inmates' families, the victims' families, Sister Prejean, just about everybody. Yes, yes, mo- mo- most definitely. The, the, the families were uh, grieving the entire time that they were complaining about the, uh, the murderer getting this assistance from the church. Right. Uh, and they, one of their grievances was that they, they weren't getting this same assistance, although uh, that's typically there for someone. But you have to go to the church yourself. Right. You see. And so, you know, your, your movement's not restricted, but the movement of someone who is being incarcerated is, is heavily restricted. So a representative of the church has to come to them. Whoever's going to perform, you know, or, or perform services for this person who's incarcerated has to come to them. They, right. they can't, they can't leave the jail. Right. Uh, to do any of this and, and, and they shouldn't be permitted to leave the jail for any of this stuff. Yes. Yeah. This movie is also one of those slow burn sort of movies where there's a, a buildup and the buildup is, is, is of course the moment where you see Matthew Ponsolet dying and you see again, the, 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 his full part in the crime, you know, like before that you're kind of just, I don't know if, if you as a person who has seen this movie, you know, when you go through or when the movie shows you all the procedures that they had to go through, you know, you might be thinking to yourself, well, this is a lot of uh, pre-trial, or not pre-trial, not, what would you call it? Just hearings, pre-death pre pre-death phase hearings. What do you call it, Brian? Where, um, well, they're all called hearings that have different names. Right, but if you're a person who's on death row, clemency hearings, that's it, right? Because you're trying to plead for clemency. Yes. Okay. Ah, there we go. Yeah, so you're watching it, you know, you're watching him go through all these clemency hearings, and it's kind of, um, it's, it was kind of heartbreaking for me on this, on the, the most recent time that I watched it, to feel like, well, well, man, he really just didn't have a chance at all. And yes, that, that is a little bit of sympathy for somebody who was on death row. It's like, you know, you have to go, you have to go all the way through the end of your life trying to fight for it. Well, the, diff- the difference here between reading about this 
in a newspaper or online article or watching news coverage is that he's a character in a story in this movie. Right. So you're experiencing things along with the character in this movie. And it's, it's as a human being, unless you're a sociopath, it's difficult not to empathize and you know, identifying with the character in some way, you know, their, their conflict, their struggle, regard, right. regardless of who they are. Like, like for example, like say in a, on a, uh, give an example of, let's say, say Jessica Jones. Okay. This, um, Marvel show, this Marvel yeah. show. Okay. There's a villain on the show who is, he's, he's quite charming. He's a pretty good actor. Uh, and their time, and he finds himself caught between uh, helping the hero to suit his own ends and helping one of two villains to suit his own ends. And because you see him struggling and, uh, you know, there's an assassination attempt on him from one of the villains, you see, you kind of sympathize sympathize with his struggle to some point, you know, and that... And in this case, and of course, you know, this is totally fictitious. I find myself kind of cheering for him a little bit. Mm, okay. You know, just for example. So this is kind of along, along the same lines. Interesting. Okay. Right. Well, the then the acting in this movie was amazing. First was, rate. First rate. Like there was a whole gauntlet of emotions, of subtlety. Death, uh, death to the into the characterization as well. Um, you know, it it's really is amazing to to me that the '90s in particular were a really good period for movies. And this movie came out in the '90s. This was before we had CGI. This was before we had uh, big spectacle blockbuster special effects festivals, right? Yeah, this was really a movie that is very story and character driven, and this is a type of movie that I really love. And the characters are relatable, believable, quite real. Very much so. Yeah, the, the performances are, are the performances are very on point. Very on point, and you know what else was on point was the chemistry between Susan Sarandon and Sean Penn. You know, that's something that you cannot really teach. That chemistry just has to be there. Yes. It, it takes it takes some it takes some good rehearsals. It does and, and yeah. some bonding between between the actors. Right. To to accomplish this. Because quite frankly, uh if there hadn't been this good chemistry and rapport between the two actors in this movie and them, you know, being the central characters, it would have ruined the entire movie had that not been there. You're right. It would have ruined it. You know, audiences can forgive performances of minor characters being a little off. Right. But the central characters... Uh, no, no, you can't. That can't be overlooked, and that's 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 the movie. 
Right. That that is the movie. It because the movie is ultimately about these two characters going through this process together. And it and it and it is a process. You know, you go from the hearings to when, you know, ultimately it was decided that he would not escape he, he would not escape the injections. He would in fact be going to die in the in the in the state penitentiary. And speaking of the other thing that I did appreciate about this movie was just how like in terms of a set just how bare it felt. Like, you know, where Sister Prejean lived, of course, you know, she she's a nun, right? So she's not gonna have a lot of possessions. That's not that's not really how nuns work. They do take a vow of um of poverty. Meaning that they basically agree to live in poverty, that the church is going to provide for them, so they don't really have a lot of extra things with them. Yes, because they, they are, their their life is their work. Yeah, their life is their work. And then, of course, when you get into the scenes at Angola Prison, I mean, prisoners aren't really allowed to have a lot of personal effects either. No. In most instances, an inmate is going to have no more than what can fill, when you're talking about Angola, no more than what can fill a footlocker. No more than can fill a footlocker. That includes your clothing, that includes your toiletries, that includes any books. Yeah. Or anything else, pictures, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So yeah, so you you don't get a lot of things to really look at in the background or anything like that. And now in the movie, and this was something that I'm not sure which one it was. I think it was Robert Lee Willie who went who went on to who went on and declared himself a Nazi. He supported Hitler. He's a white supremacist. All these terrible things, right? And these are people that we as a society can find very difficult to love. Somebody who, who kills people and who is a, a person of, of who follows hateful ideologies. Yeah. And it's, um, what makes that so appalling is how these people, these people, these people, these people understand how the Nazis were. The, the, the psychopaths because the Nazis themselves were a collection of intellectual sociopaths, psychopaths, mm-hmm. a, a collection of evildoers who, who were empowered. So imagine how terrifying it is to have someone who is very much like this, someone who would be at home, someone who'd be at home in the Third Reich, someone who could be who could have been easily recruited into the ranks of the SS, running around your city murdering people. Mm-hmm. Okay, imagine how terrifying that is. Yes, and right now I feel like with our current political situation in America. I feel like that these conversations are more important than ever. 
But yes, these conversations are more important than ever. Yes, and it's, I personally believe that it's very important to learn about the rise of the Nazis during 1920s Germany and 1930s Germany and the Nazi government and the way, the way they worked and how these people were because they're... Oh, the these Nazis in, These individuals are purely, are pure evil. Yes. And a study of the Nazis, once again, 1920s, 1930s Germany, and of course, 1940s Germany as well, is a study of pure evil and how psychotic and evil individuals behave. How, how, what they, what they will do if they get empowered, how they can get recruited into organizations and empowered because th this was not some random occurrence. This can happen. Uh, this can happen on a micro scale in any city in the world, because in every city in the world, you have a, a fraction of a percentage of the population who are these kinds of people. Oh, and you know, the Nazis supported the death penalty in mass. There was no hearings. There was no trials. Not to mention summary executions. Well, that's what I'm saying. No yeah. trials. No attorneys. Like in the concentration, the, the early version of the concentration camps during the 30s, which were, of course, political prisons. Uh, I believe they called them internment camps then. Um, they're, they're SS officers would be tested in the concentration camps by having them torture these political prisoners and in some case carry out summary executions. Right. So they could prove what they're capable of. And of course the ones who readily tortured pe people and murdered prisoners were uh, were the point men during the infamous Night of the Long Knives where uh, several of the, the brown-shirted SS officers were rounded up and, and murdered in a political purge. A political purge, and again, no judge, no jury, nothing like that. No, just psychotic henchmen acting as executioners. And that was it. And you know, that's, that's, why, <clears throat> that's why we have... A democracy or a, a republic like ours has a criminal justice system the way it is because the you know it has to be a system of laws not a system of vengeful psychotic individuals right right because you know if you if you had a system to where okay you could inhumanely treat and just outright murder even psychopathic murderers what would what would be there to stop that system from being abused to do this to innocent people, which is precisely what Nazi Germany did. They they declared certain people criminals and and just uh, acted as judge, jury, executioner. And, you know, of course, we, we can't have that in a democracy. No, we can't have that in a democracy. And it's also why, you know, you, you actually made me think of a very interesting point. You know, we have this system, like you mentioned, this criminal justice system. But when you think about how our system is supposed to work, and at the end of and at the end of it, somebody can be executed by the state. 
the thing is, is that it's kind of the same thing as just summary executions by the government of Nazi Germany. Yeah. Okay. It's just that we have a little more window dressing on ours. Well, there, there is a due process involved. That's what I'm saying. The window dressing. Right. Right. You know, so now the thing is, is that I don't, you know, I've said this before, but you know, you can going back and forth on the death penalty and how you might feel about it. I think that's a personal thing. I don't think that everybody is solidly one way or the other. Um, I do think that it's good to have debates. And the thing that other thing that I did appreciate about this movie is that it did not force the audience to choose a side. It lets you go with your own conclusions and your own emotions about how you would feel about it. The movie essentially walked you through that process. Right. So, you know, if you want to see how this this process works in a typical southern state, then Dead Man Walking is a very good movie to watch. It's very educational in that aspect. Right. Right. And this is why, you know, I try to remember that we're all human beings. Even the most disgusting person on the planet is a human being. Yes, and whatever you do to that disgusting person, no matter how disgusting and you know dreadful and inhumane that person is, whatever you do to that person, you're actually you are inflicting upon yourself as well. And you're going to have to live with it. Yeah, which is, which is why, of course, <laughs> most people who are pro death penalty, uh, in truth, wouldn't want to be the executioner. And I'm also going to have some uh, the the the, the pro life crowd is going to have some shots fired at them. If you are pro life, then you would also be against executions. If, if you think all, yeah, well, sure. If you think all human life is precious, then and this is then this is a, a a belief that is based upon Christian beliefs. Then you have to understand that God values all life, and all life has a purpose. Right. Every everyone's life has everyone has a role to play. Mm-hmm. And if you arbitrarily judge someone and and kill them then you're interfering with God's judgment and God's plan, according to pretty much any set of Christian beliefs. Right. And the, the, the other thing that I need to keep saying is that there are no rich people on death row. Okay. Death row happens to poor people only. In Louisiana, especially. And well, yes, or in yeah. the South, especially, I would say. Because, you know, it's not just Louisiana. There's also Mississippi, Alabama. Uh, Georgia, I feel like, is getting a little bit better in overall in general. It, that's what it feels like because they're, they're now becoming a swing state. And, you know, the South can get better. You know, this is why I'm excited that Georgia is a swing state. This is why I'm hoping that the death penalty abolishment in the state of Louisiana will go through. It might not, but I would really like for it to go through. I would love for the state to be an example. Yeah, it's 
it's become very impractical. Now, I'm someone, yes, in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s especially, uh, pretty much pro-death penalty. And not be, not it's never had anything to do with being a deterrent. Not because it, it isn't a deterrent. There, there's no... If some sociopath or psychopath feels entitled to be able to break the law, there's no such a thing as a deterrent that's going to stop them. All there is is punishment right to to, uh, to quote frank castle the punisher yes punishment that's that's what he says he says it's punishment right you know um by necessity of course the, the need to separate someone who cannot who is a danger to society from society right the best way to do that without causing harm to anyone, including society, including staining your own hands, scarring yourself mentally, is to permanently lock someone away. Right. And, you know, that's, I mean, we certainly have plenty of prisons. We have plenty of room for murder. We, we do a good job uh, yeah. incarcerating people in this country. Yes, uh, unfortunately. Ironically, we do a better job of incarcerating people than Nazi Germany did. We're just more humane about it. Yeah, well, we're not. Well, they're not just being slaughtered in the streets. Summarily executed. Or, or, or in uh, internment camps under very inhumane medical conditions. Right. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Right. So, Brian, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up this Patreon episode? This this movie is a shining example of a four-star movie that does everything right, that very accurately depicts the subject matter, walking you through this criminal justice process and this religious process, and learning about not only how, in this case, the criminal justice process and the uh, the religious process both worked exactly as intended, but how, what this actually looks like when people are going through it. Right. And it's, it, it's best to sit through a movie like this with a non, with a blank slate, with a non-judicial judgmental viewpoint. Right. Which of course, and of course this movie is historic and anytime one is studying history it is best to do it with a non-judgmental viewpoint in other words don't take sides so you can actually pay attention to all sides of of whatever conflict is going on this is in a historic movie and you can you'll actually learn something Right. It's like, uh, well, t- today we went and saw a movie, actually. Well, pr- pronounce the, the title of it for me. Uh, Chevalier? Yes. Yeah, Cheval- Chevalier. Chevalier. Mm-hmm. Which um, I, w- what I was thinking when, at, at the end of the movie, is this is a lost part of black history. Yes. Okay. It, it, it's a part of black history that has been neglected by everyone, overlooked by everyone, including the black community, because essentially Chevalier was 
a was a French violinist, violinist, and Compo- also a composer. French French composer considered to be uh, the Black Mozart, as he was the he was the illegitimate child of a no you know between a nobleman and a slave woman who had been sent away to a classical school, right, to. Uh, work on uh, on a skill he already had, playing the violin. Right. We're not going to spoil it, but if it, I'm sure it's going to pop up on streaming soon. It was was like a limited run in the movie theater or something. Yeah, there's only two showings a day, I believe. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, so there's only a couple of showings, and <clears throat> when it does pop up, pop up on streaming, please watch it. It's very good. It, it's another one of those slow burn movies that builds up to something very emotional at the end. Such rich detail involved in the set construction, the makeup, the costumes. The costumes were amazing. Yeah, it's a beautiful depiction of 1700s France. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I very much enjoyed it. But this is what I mean, or what we mean when we say that you know, you, you've got to look at history because, you know, both sides uh, during the during the French Revolution, right? Both sides had their own interests. The peasants had their own interests, like as in they just wanted to be able to eat and live and not starve to death. And then, of course, the monarchy had their own interest, and that was to stay a monarchy. To stay in power. To stay in power. And profit get get uh accumulate more wealth right at the expense of anyone oh kind of like today in america yes except the impoverished in america are a bit more comfortable that's privileged than they were in in france at that time Mm, yeah but there's still problems though it's not as widespread Mm -hmm. but there's still problems yes Definitely, definitely problems all right well everybody thank you so much for joining us this episode is going to be released on both patreon and our regular podcast feed now for our, our next patreon discussion in two weeks we are going to be talking about tim burton's batman oh yes yes but known in many circles as the good Batman movie. Shots fired at Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. But, yeah, so did I. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I, but I, I like this one better. Yeah, agreed. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for joining us. And we will resume our regular murder and mayhem on the podcast when we talk about a again i don't want to give it away because i don't want y'all googling it but it is going to be a mystery that again is just going to haunt me forever oh yes yes we're going to solve that mystery, right? Yeah. I really wish we could. Well, of course, the episode we solved that mystery. I really yeah. wish we could. Spoiler alert, just like any other any other podcast or documentary where 
a mystery is examined and analyzed, uh, we're not going to solve the mystery. Sorry. I wish we could, though. Me too. All right. Okay, dear listeners, have a great week, and we will talk at you soon. Bye. Good night.